0: Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. and today we are going to be talking machine labs and checking out some stuff with machine learning. Should be pretty interesting, as always. Uh, let's get right to it. Our panelists today, we've got Alyssa joining us. Alyssa, how's it going?
1: Hey, going good.
0: All right, we got Austin with us as well. Austin, what's up?
2: How's it going, everyone?
0: And we've got Bonnie with us. Bonnie, how's it going? It's going great, trying to stay dry in Houston. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Mike's gonna be joining us here in a minute. So, oh, hey, he just popped on. Look at that, good timing. Hey, Mike, what's going on? He's on mute, but there we go. I I hear
2: something else. Uh, I'm here, hey. Awesome. And our
0: guest today, we got Pascal and Kristoff with us. Pascal, how's it going? Hello, what's up? And Christoph. Hey, it's great. <laughs> all right. Uh, machine Labs. That's the project that you guys have going on. Let's dive into that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should, well, first tell us about what Machine Labs is, and then maybe we can start diving into like what what machine learning is all about.
3: Uh, you you want to do it that way or the other way around? Um, we, we could do it either way. Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's just start with, what machine learning is from like a, from a bird's perspective, Um, and first things first, we are by far no experts on machine learning, so let's just get this straight out of the way. So we we were also just like web developers interested in it, and we stumbled over problems, so we tried to address them.
1: So take everything that you say as basically machine learning law, right, like it's gold. Exactly,
3: exactly. (laughs) But just, like, um, in, <laughs> so, but just like um but just in essence. So um so basically today when we when we write software, um we, we we are basically writing code to solve problems, right? So no matter if it's like functional reactive programming or aspect oriented programming, imperative programming, at the end of the day we are always writing code to solve problems, right? So, with machine learning, um, it's, it's like a total mind shift because um, you Does are... Does the machine write the code for you? <laughs> kind of, kind of, yes, yes, kind of. So, mm-hmm. basically, you are designing a neural net, which is, um, in, in a way, tries to mimic the way our brain works, and we are throwing lots of data at the neural net, and telling it, um, giving it, giving it feedback about the data. Like you, you want to, you want to um, uh, make a, a neural net that can recognize cats on pictures, for instance, because everyone likes cats. So you give it a lot of, a lot of data, and tell it, yeah, on this picture there's a cat, and on this picture there's no cat, and on this picture there's a cat, and on this there's no cat, and um, and it will, it will figure out the, the, the function basically that it will figure out um a way to recognize the, the the pictures and obviously um not only the the pictures from the cats that it already has seen but we wanted to we wanted to generalize right so we wanted to to give it any cat picture and it it should be able to to detect the um the, the picture on the cat and tell yeah there's a there's a cat on this picture or there's not but basically the neural net is figuring out what it takes to recognize a cat. And if we think about this um, so with regular typical programming um, you have to come up with a code that, that can recognize shapes and everything and then we are asking us what does a cat shape actually look like? I mean the cat shape totally changes when the cat is um, like standing or when it is laying or like it, it, it's it's really, really hard to come up with such things and and, and and program them the classical way. So with machine learning, it's it's like a total different thing. You just throw data at the problem and the, the neural net figures out how things work. And and there are a lot of a lot of problems these days that, that are just like too hard to solve with traditional programming, like th- things like self-driving cars, which are yeah, basically around the corner. Or things like like translations or, or, or face recognition, like all, all these things, like 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 Facebook, where they where they group pictures together, or on Google Photos, these these things all use machine learning these days because it's it's much easier that way.
1: So, like the neural net, is that actually written by you?
3: So the neural net is um is, is there are a couple of frameworks that. Make it um, easier to um, to build these things, and the neural net you you can think of of of, it like there are frameworks like uh, TensorFlow and um, Keras and and a couple of others, and they give you basic building blocks like uh, layers, um, and and you yeah you design you design the, the the neural net, and the neural net can have a different architecture. Uh, depending on the task that you are trying to solve, um, yeah. But and 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 other than that, you are still writing a little bit of code because you you need to um, you need to put, bring the data in shape. For instance, like a, a neural net just understands um, uh, basically um, uh, numbers, right? So basically, if you um, if you want to recognize a cat, um, you still have to um, convert the, the picture into actual um, numbers that a, a neural net can understand. So, so there's, there's a little bit of, of, of code, boilerplate code that you that you need to do with your data to bring it in shape and everything. But in essence, the, the hard task um, is um, performed by by the neural net. And you can think of you can think of the neural net in a way. I, I, I said it's, it's kind of trying to mimic the, the way our brain works. So um, we can think of it as having neurons um, which are basically just numbers. Like there are a lot of and, – and, and when you, when you start the, the training at the very beginning, you can think of this neural net of just like being a bag of numbers that are totally random. And you you start with totally random numbers and basically the 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 inputs are flowing through the the neural net and Those numbers in the neural net which we call the weights um, they are um, They are taken together with the inputs and going through an activation function and the trick is that the neural net over time Tunes all these weights so so all these numbers that in the beginning are just random, they will be tuned so that um yeah, at the end of the training um they are all the 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 numbers are are tuned to actually solve the task and okay. it's pretty comparable in a way what our brain is still very much more complex, but um <laughs> um it's 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 kind of a bit like, like our brain works, at least. It's also also the better hardware, our brain. Much better hardware, yeah, I guess. And you have, so, to cat,
4: you have to do guided trainings as these things are learning, right? So you have to kind of guide it, say, yes, this was actually a cat, or no, this wasn't a cat. And then eventually it kind of figures out, it kind of builds a dictionary of cats, and it's like, okay, well, you said it was a
0: cat a hundred times, and this looks like those hundred times, so it's probably
3: a cat. So um so there are there are there are two different two different um uh, um like like there is supervised training and unsupervised training. So there's also un, um, unsupervised training where you don't give feedback, and then the the neural net is trying to find patterns basically. Um but um yeah, where in 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 this kind of training with the, with the cats, yeah, you 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 give the feedback, but what happens internally is, it's not really just like building up a map or something. Um, in in fact, this can actually, in fact, this 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 may happen, and and it um, like what 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 may happen is that it 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 just memorizes what it has seen, but that's not what we want, right? We what we want is really that it generalizes and it can recognize all the other cat pictures out there that that it did not see yet right um and if if we have a neural nets that um they they and we can think of them having having layers like layer of of neurons um stacked um uh, each other then what happens is that um it kind of specializes in the layers and in in, in 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 the um and the and the secondary uh, layers like like the the first layer is is mostly concerned about straight lines and everything like like is there um is there a, a, a straight um horizontal line or vertical line or something and then the 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 layer that go um come after that yeah, they they kind of build up on 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 these um previous um layer it's, and and this is again this is again um pretty much comparable to what our brain also does. So as a developer stepping into something
0: like this, how much different is it from our mindset of how we develop applications and writing code, you know, functional code or logical code that if this then do that sort of thing versus what do we have to understand to write this is different?
2: And is it it a hard requirement that we love cats?
0: (laughs) I think so, definitely, yeah.
4: i think I think the main difference is um, in, in terms of programming I mean you still you still program you still have to like write the code that creates this neural net or whatever you want to do um, but it it, it and, but you, you have less like control structures because as Christoph said you you create this thing that figures out the the logic by itself um, you still write code though but it's it's it has a different um it's much more data driven after all, right? It's like not trying to like figure out how to solve this particular problem, but rather like, okay, how can I get my data in shape that I can create this thing that will consume that data to understand how this problem needs to be, needs to be solved. Like, you know, when you think of self-driving cars, for example, it's the same thing. Like how does a self-driving car learn how to drive a car? And how does it learn the, 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 the rules of driving a car? Like things like stopping at a at a red traffic light or you know not going into the wrong lane or whatever. You have to like an easy way to think about that would be to, to you know create a neural net or whatever that, that consumes a lot of video data of actually humans driving cars where you know it can see, ah, oh, okay. So apparently humans actually stop when the traffic light is red. So that probably means that I have to stop when the traffic light is red. Um, so things like that, uh, I think. I think it's really much more, really much more um, like data scientific. Scientific, like you have to deal much more with the data itself and, and get it in shape.
3: So I, I would add to that that. Um, so what's that? There's there's this thing that that you have to accept that this thing is kind of a black box, um, and there are. Certain implications of that. so so one thing is that you often find yourself just um a b testing different approaches. like, um, will these neural net perform better if I add another layer or uh, increase the number of neurons? Um, you just try it out and 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 you can see if if it takes you less epochs. um so so the training always happens in epochs, right? Um so you you can say, okay, um, with this different setup I just need 20 epochs um, to, to get to the desired result whereas with a different one I, I need double the epochs or something um, so that's that's often just how things work and I mean like, even with the real experts like for instance there's, there's a really nice blog from NVIDIA and NVIDIA is really at the forefront of, of machine learning uh, where they um, they teach a car to Totally drive itself um, with um, an end to end approach. So there are different approaches to self driving cars, and and, and and I think most companies tackling, trying to tackle uh, self driving cars, don't do it completely end to end. So they have different neural nets, um, um, want to recognize um, traffic lights and everything, and a different one to, to, to do lane assist or whatever. But in this NVIDIA blog post, they um, completely do it end-to-end so what that means is they just have a camera mounted on, 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 on the on the front window of the car and um, they have a experienced driver doing um, some 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 driving and they just record it and they also get the um, they get the values from um, the, the steering the steering angle and the, um, the, the brake and acceleration um, <clears throat> and this is in sync with the video obviously um, and they just feed that into the neural net, um, and yeah, in essence, the, the the car learns to drive itself just by looking at the video and, and the raw um, data. And they 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 also they they A, a B tested a uh, different approaches. Um, and for instance, there are funny things like they they had to um, to adjust the data a little bit because. Most of the time we drive um, straight uh, because roads try to be efficient, right? Um, <clears throat> but that you what you want to do is you you want to take a, you want to cut out a bit of the um, straight road driving because otherwise um, the the neural net performed didn't perform so well because it was kind of learning to always keep keep going straight. Um, so. There's a lot of try and error now uh, when you when you do um machine learning. Uh it's 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 not so straightforward, maybe. And you have you have to accept that some things you just have to try out. Uh and also there's no there's no such thing as debugging, really. I mean um it they it's it's more called tuning. Um so you're tuning the, the data set and the approach and everything. But the thing is that if you Look inside in a in a neural net, it's it doesn't mean anything to a human. I mean the, the the good thing is that there are companies working on that, make making that more um transparent, so that you actually get to know why the neural net is is deciding this way or that way. Um, but this is really just um yeah this is this is pretty pretty current science, actually, to improve on that field. Because right now, you have to accept that this is really a black box, right? And then you um, can't really debug it the same way you debug um, traditional code.
0: So how did you two get into this, come up with this idea and get into
3: it? Basically, hey. yeah, basically, it's it's, it's um, uh, yeah, I, I often get bored after quite some time with technology, especially with front-end. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so, that makes
3: sense, so you get bored, so you dive into like the hardest
0: thing ever, right? I
1: just don't get that. Like, I don't get that at all. Maybe it's because like you're smarter than me. Because like I've mm-hmm. heard other developers say that, where they're like, yeah, I got bored, so I moved on, and I'm like, I still haven't conquered the front-end yet, I guess, but I don't know, man.
3: It's, it's really just I don't know I mean you, you, uh, th- with machine learning it's like you, you see it popping up everywhere and then you you start reading and um, and I found it fascinating that there is this thing that really just goes by itself and and, and learns things so um, so I just wanted to, to to get a little bit more into it and then yeah i I, I stumbled over a couple of problems um, yeah and this is Pretty much um, how 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 things went for for, for for me at least at that time. Um, so I was picking on Pascal like, hey, um, you know what? I think we, <laughs> I think I think we should build, build a tool there and yeah, maybe maybe is-
4: we should maybe we should point out some some things that, like some some of these problems. I think um, because otherwise it might not be very clear. So so yeah. one of the the challenges that that um, uh, one runs into, especially as average web developers like us um, that are not, like, you know, in any way familiar with tools like, you know, Python and, and TensorFlow and things like that. These are usually the the tools and environments that are used in this field um, mainly right now. Um, and so, so it, it kind of requires you to to get everything set up if you want to try these things out. Like, if you want to play with TensorFlow and then Keras, which is, you know, this library that sits on top of TensorFlow or can sit on top of TensorFlow, um, you need to make sure that you have things like Python installed, that it's installed in the right version, that the libraries are installed in the right version because they might clash and then it doesn't work. and And then maybe it turns out that the easiest way to do that is to actually get Docker installed, and then you have to, you know, get docker up and running and then you know load all of these images and make everything work and and so it's really the 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 barrier is 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 pretty high for for uh, like people like us like that are not data scientists um, on a on a daily basis and that, that don't deal with environments and languages and tools like that, um, that that's i think that's kind of the main kind of the main motivation why this idea came up to, to make something like a JS Fiddle or a CodePen or a Plunker um, for machine learning, um, which essentially is what what machine labs tries to be. It's not exactly the same thing because there are some different characteristics in terms of executing code on the server instead of in the, in the client. Um, but if you... If you want to get an idea of what what the, the problem is that machine Labs tries to solve, I think the the, sh- the shortest and easiest answer to that is really, it's kind of like the Copan or Plunker for for machine learning. I think that's the, the, the rough idea.
3: Right. Yeah. 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 We, we as as web developers, we, we, we kind of take it as granted that that we can just go and take Overflow and um, and say um I have this problem, and here's a jazz fiddle or he's a placard or something and can you help me with that and this the the, the tooling for 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 these kind of things is, is, is just or was just not there for machine learning um, so this is also one of one of the things that uh, we wanted to address that 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 you can you have something like a code pen for machine learning where you, you can just see something, you can fork it, you can tune it, you can you can um execute the code. Um yeah. Uh to also to help to accelerate all the development with machine learning to, to, to lower the barrier of entry for everyone. Yeah I think I think
4: that's actually actually like a pretty pretty good and, and very strong point there. Um because in in case we get it right and in case machine labs works out, then you can you can actually imagine a world where, right now, on things like um, Stack Overflow and and GitHub issues, for example, people actually link to GitHub repositories to like demonstrate things. Like, you know, go check out this repository, make it somehow work on your machine, and then run it, and then you see how it works, right? Um, which is not usually what you what you want to do. Like, you know, you don't you don't want to go through this hassle of setting everything up. So. So if, if everything works out, and, and if, if we do it right, then you can actually imagine a world where all of these answers on Stack Overflow or, or comments on GitHub um, with links to repositories can essentially be replaced with links to labs, which is what we call our fiddles or plunks. Right? So you can basically say, here's a plunk that you know does this or that, and you can check out the code and, and, and take a look. And uh, on, on top of that, Obviously this this allows you to 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 share these these labs also on on social platforms like like Twitter and Facebook and stuff so all of or even embed- oh yeah or you can embed it in, in, a, in another website like we did exactly that like we, we have like an embedded feature and we have a couple of blocks in our in our block um, and and some of these blocks are actually machine learning articles which previously were just um, like like code snippets, and you kind of had to imagine how it works when you do it. And now we actually have embedded labs in there. You can actually take a look at the code. You can see the output of the code when it was executed. And you can go in machine labs and run it yourself if you want to. Um, so I think I think that's really um, it's a good thing, and 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 it's it's also like a very strong strong feature of this whole project because yeah, we we it's part of the mission as well to make this whole thing more accessible to everyone. Um, the more it gets shared, the more people can actually play with it and take a look at it. The more people can start diving into it. Obviously there there are much more things um, that, that need to be addressed to get it right. For example, right now we have, um, we, we're in our private beta. So, so there are already some users in there um, that are, like able to execute code, um, and we will probably see in a couple of minutes what that looks like when Chris demos some stuff. Um, but then there's this problem of people then just don't know what they should do with it. Like they don't really know where to start. They don't know what to do. I mean, we have some like some some template code that you can easily fork and just execute, so you get something that you can play with right away, which is already pretty cool. Um, but then there's a lot of I think there's a lot of like, guidance-missing tutorials and stuff like that that you can, like, easily, you know, do and and do yourself on, on Machine Labs maybe um, to make this, yeah, a, a bit more accessible also.
3: Okay, so, so what... If, if you want just, just, like, a, a quick outlook in, into the future, then what, what we would like to enable people to do is, like, build like a self-driving car in your browser and other people can just come and fork it and tune it and everything, like, like these kind of things we, we would like to see in, the, in, in future versions that Dutch Keepers would do.
0: OK, so it's this tool that I can go to that I can play with some examples, like Plunker or StackBlitz, something like that, right? I could create my own. Um, where does the you mentioned data, right? Where does the data fall into this? like how do I is it something that supports adding a data set? Do you have like is that part of the mix? How does that work? Yeah, so um really cat pictures, right if i if I need a ton of cat pictures.
3: All right. so so the good thing is that there are tons of data sets out there for, yeah, pretty much any stuff cat pictures as well, but also like self driving car stuff and everything. There are like tons of, of, of video material and then everything. And um, so the way these 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 labs work um, is that the, the the code obviously is around is, is back and side, right? Because this is all, all back and tech. And you have you have full internet access. So you can um, in, in in your lab you you can just download a data set and work with that. Um, in the future, we also plan on things like like um, pre-downloading datasets. Um, so there's a configuration file that 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 already exists today, and um, it's it's an uh, we call it ML YAML because it's a, it's a YAML file. Um, and in, in, in the future, you will be able to just like put a couple of of endpoints in this um, YAML file, and then we will um, cache those datasets for you. Uh, so you will have it downloaded directly when you when you run the execution. But even today, you you, you can just access any dataset because yeah, you have full internet access. Yeah. If you want, uh, if you want me to to um, share my screen and 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 walk you through the UI a little bit, we we can do that.
0: Yeah, let's check it
3: out. Okay, cool. Let's do that. So. Uh... So all right, so you should see the screen now. And so there we go. You can see it? Yep, looks good. OK, cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's- This is Python though, right? This isn't JavaScript. This is Python, yeah. So I um, You can leave now, correct? Sorry?
4: I just said write off, so you can leave now. <laughs> it was just a very bad job. We can we can cut it out.
3: <laughs> yeah. So so the most most of the of the machine learning stuff is um, yeah Python based um, these days. Um, I mean TensorFlow is is actually written in C um, but then there are Python. The, the, the most of the people use it in Python. There are bindings for different languages. Um, in essence we are not really bound to a platform um, for, to to a specific ecosystem so in fact there just recently there there was this this, this library um uh, deep learn um uh, sorry uh, deep how is it called is it deep learn um it's it's a javascript um uh, javascript framework that, that um, uh, is also for for deep learning and we will probably add support for that as well so it's 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 not really that we are bound to to python um it's just that this is what what most people use um to yeah do actual work because it also has pretty pretty good um library support there are like all these mathematical operations and all this It's, it's pretty good Okay, so um, yeah, this is this is what the what the UI looks like. So we have a, a, um, a file tree here. Um, we could just um, add um, add more files and everything. This is, by the way, this is the um, the ML YAML that I just talked about. So this is basically a configuration file. So, for instance, if you if you want to work with a different different library or you don't want to use Python three, you want to use Python two or something. Then you can just um, change the um, Docker um, image ID in in, in this uh, in this file, and then your your code will run in a completely different environment. Um, this also enables us enables us to support uh, yeah a, a wide range of of, of different machine learning um, machine learning platforms. Um, all right, so yeah, then we obviously we have, we have the code window here, and we have a, a, a list of executions. So we, we can see that here already there was an execution that was executed seven days ago, um, ran for three seconds, and there is um, um, actually uh, this one. I, I just picked a random one. So let's just um, actually execute this one, and we will see real, real output. So here now we can see this was a really a re, a really quick one actually, but basically what just happened here is um, that we um, we started this, this this execution and then this is where the training happens. So you can see epoch one, epoch two, epoch three, and so on and so forth. And what we what we see here is yeah is, is the um, the the training results after after each epoch so as I said in the beginning this, this machine learning is about um, yeah uh, learning things over over these these epochs and, and tuning the, the internal weights so we can see that this is um, how how accurate we were in the beginning so uh, we, we were doing just 25% of, of our um, predictions were were off and then you can see that these are rising and at some point here we get a 100 percent accuracy um, yeah so this is this is basically um, just yeah giving us the the, the output of um, of that uh, training task so this here is the absolute toy task um, it is uh, The the hello of the hello world in machine learning. Um, So uh, this is this is learning the XOR gate. So uh, you can, but it's good to get the idea. So here you see we have we have training data, um, and we what we basically want to learn is that um, okay if you have two similar ones, so a zero zero, then this should be um, a zero. If you have or, or one one also two similar, it should also be zero, and if if the two are different, so one zero or zero one, we should we should get a one. So this is the it's it's the XOR gate. Um, it's something that you can easily put in the map. So <laughs> you you don't really want to use machine learning for for that kind of task. But yeah, just as a, as a demonstration thing, um, it's it's the easy thing to um, to get if you if you've never seen machine learning code before. And then this part here is setting up our neural net um, with our layers. And then we are um, configuring a little bit more, like how do we, um, how, how the internals should should work. And, and, and last but not least, we, we, we kick off the training and say how, how many epochs we want to run. And yeah, this is then um, this is then going to our backend. And what I will do now here is just, um, or maybe we can we can switch to a different one that has slightly slightly better. Um, I have uh, a quick
0: question on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, once we've taught this digital brain how to do it, it's got effective, like, how does that commit it to long-term memory? Where does that go? So that, like, what's the final output of this?
3: Yeah, that's a really good, good, really good question. So, um, right now, what, what you have really is just, um, oops, um, it's it's really just, you, 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 have the, um, you have the code here and you get your console output, but obviously you want to persist. The, the trained the trained model, right? The, so the, the, the trained model is what has all the, yeah, all the gained knowledge, actually. And what we are working on, and we're actually pretty close on releasing it, um, is that you can store these um, outputs. So basically, what we will allow you is that in an execution, you can just write any file. It could be the trained model, but it could also be pictures or whatever. You can just write any file to disk. And we take it and upload it, and will um, yeah you will see it then in the UI that it's associated to, to this execution. And what's even more um, what, what's even more exciting is that um, you can for instance you can have a, you, you can do a training that may run for several days. So let's say you have a training it goes for five days and it builds up this 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 model that then has all the knowledge. And what other people can do is they can not only fork it and tune it, but they can also um, do a different lab and just import the trained model from that other lab and then use this and, and do things on top so they don't have to invest five days of training again. Chris, um, very
4: quickly, um, you actually I can see myself right now, but should give you a
3: hint. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll just switch over here again. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> um yeah so that's I think that's 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 pretty exciting um so there will be a lot of a lot of use cases for that um so not only that you want to write the, the 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 model or something also let's for instance if, if you want to do something like you want to do a prisma you uh, the, the the prisma app you know that that takes a picture and then it applies a, a nice um style on it so that it looks like a fun Gogh or something um, you can you will soon be able to do these things with machine labs in the browser and and you can directly write the output like like the the, the picture that that was transferred to look like a like a michelangelo or something um, you can directly write that into the executioner you could share it. you can share it on twitter you can you get, people can see okay this there's that's all the code that it needs to to build a Prisma and okay i can i can just apply this to my own picture and i can see the output picture here it's it's right there on the lab so yeah this is this is a feature that we are pretty excited about and it, it, it's coming pretty soon nice um so so by the way this this one here is a is, is, a, is a different um a different lab and um it this is it's, it's it's really just a demo lab, also from from the Cast um, documentation. Um, this does handwriting recognition, um, but if I run this thing here, then the output will at least be a little bit more um, more real, uh, real world, more realistic. And um, you can see this sometimes takes a takes a little bit of time to um, until it starts, but you can see it. Right at right from the moment where you start the execution, you will see it popping up in the in, in, in the execution list here. But then we yeah on the back end side we have to spin up the the container and everything. So yeah, here you can see now this is more like a real-world task that that um, uh, learns how to do uh, uh, handwriting and recognition. So right now all you can see here basically really just is um, yeah okay the, the the training phase. So you can see that it's. It's trying to, to, to get the loss down, the the, the error rate down, um, and yeah. But but in the future, you'll you'll be able to really to yeah um, save the, the the trained model and then then work with that. So the the idea would also be that you can just go to a placar, for instance, and then you can um, you can request the trained model via a REST API from machine labs. And build a Plunker that actually uses the trained model from Machine Labs via REST API, and then build something on top of that.
4: Maybe, maybe one thing to add here was what's really cool. Um, as you see this lab running right here, th- this obviously is executed somewhere else, and and it's it's very. I mean, it's it's not. It's actually very common that that um, these experiments that they that they run for several like hours or even days, maybe even weeks. Right, so you you like do your thing, you let it run, and then you wait until it's done, and then you see if it's if it's performing good or not. And Days?
1: That's insane. Yeah,
4: it, it can happen. Yeah. Um, so so it, that's actually why you want to make sure that a your your code, like or your, your hardware is super powerful, so that you reduce the time you have to wait. Because as Crystal said, it's it's hard to debug and everything. So you really just wait until it's done, and then you see the you see the results, and then you have to try. Okay. You have to see okay, so those are the results right now with this setup. What if right. I try this optimizer function instead of that one? and then you have to run it again. So it's a lot of trial and error, and you do it over and over again until you find the best setup to get the best the best output. And what right. you can do right now, actually you can close that tab and you can like revisit this particular um, lab and it will just pick up right where you where you left off because it's it's obviously it's still running in the background now. You don't have to sit there and wait. You can just jump into it right now and and you know watch the the live stream as it as it continues, which I think is, is a pretty cool thing because that essentially enables you to say something like, okay, uh, hey Twitter, look, this is this is a lab in which you can live like you can you can watch this this net learn you know whatever um,
3: to to speak English or something. like that. Right. So now it finished after three minutes of training, but yeah, right now the, the output has already done. Pastel you just raised a, a pretty important point which, which is the, 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 the hardware and this is another thing that we want to enable is That that people get access to, to blazingly fast hardware because Not everyone has the hardware at home to do efficient um, machine learning. I mean right now. This is all just using CPU um, But we will we will also soon soon at the, um, uh, the the possibility to to decide on which hardware you want to launch your your experiments, and and then you, you get access to hardware that you don't have at home.
4: Yeah, I was actually going to ask. Like this stuff is not you know cheap to run. Like you have to have you know good hardware
3: to run this stuff. So, you know how are you guys? How are you guys paying for this?
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
3: yeah. So, I mean, you, you can totally you can totally do things with CPU, but uh, it it obviously takes takes longer. Um, and if you want to use a GPU, then um, there, there will be paid plans for these features. So, our, our plan is that um, basically everyone, uh, every user will, will get free CPU hours um, every month. So, um, there, there will always be a free plan uh, where you can. We, where you can burn uh, CPU hours, and we, we, we are not decided yet on how many hours that will be, but probably somewhere in the ballpark of like 75 CPU hours um, every month for free. Um, but if you want to get access to these kind of um, more advanced things, which also means you are probably doing something more serious, like you're using it for your job or something, um, then you you will um, you will have to. Um, Get a, a a paid plan, and you will also um, pay for these um, these extra hardware.
0: Hey, so let's talk a little Angular since we're <laughs> Angular Air. Uh, is built in Angular? I, I see. It right. Is. It is using Angular and Angular Material and Oops. Angular Flex Layout.
3: I, I'm just going to to quit the screen share, all right? um but, 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 yeah, but, but, but. that
4: worked out we can see you again yeah
3: Okay. Awesome.
4: yeah yeah so so machine Labs uses um angular obviously which which is which is um i think for both but for me personally um a lot it, it's very exciting because um we're doing mainly uh like angular training and since a couple of years now and now we, we finally got a chance to actually use the tool we're teaching like on a daily basis and and build something and 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 use these things that we teach um, so and and this what you see there or what you've just seen is is the result of um, like a couple months of work um part time work though um, from just two people so I think that's it's pretty cool to get there and and this is only possible because we have things like angular material for example is contributes a lot to to the to the project because you you you've probably noticed that there's things like the uh, angle material toolbar, and then there's the the, the site nav that you know slides in and slides out, and then there's some nice tabs that you can click and um, we actually we have like plenty 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 dialogues in there, and dialogues are actually really hard to do, but with angle material it's like a matter of a couple lines of code and, and i really I really appreciate that that we have this this ecosystem already there and and we just get it for free um, so yeah that, that's 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 pretty cool, and and it's also the project itself is is getting pretty pretty com- complex already. Also in in, in terms of architecture, I mean, you don't see it when you use it, obviously, but there's there's a lot of lot of reactive programming going on. There's there's a lot of like pretty much all of our APIs are observable based, and and so we get to use a lot of interesting and exciting operators, and sometimes we have to build our own to fulfill the needs. Um, so that that's pretty. Pretty exciting, um, but it also comes with a lot of interesting challenges that are sometimes not hard to crack. Uh, are actually hard to crack. So the other way around.
0: So, what are some of the things that you did in Angular, like beyond just the normal stuff that we do in Angular, right, to build these applications? Like anything that you hit, you know, you've got you're showing the console output from these other machines that are running. Like, what what interesting things that you had to solve using Angular to do this?
4: Yeah, I think I think it already starts with something. Like like what you mentioned, like the the console output, for example, like both the, the the version that you've just seen, the console output and the the actual code editor, those are actually um, Ace Editor instances. So there's this open source project called Ace Editor, which is um, I think created by Cloud Nine is the company. They have this online ID, thing. think, um, and it's open source. So we use that. That was the first thing we ran into, and uh, and it, it worked quite well. Um, but this is like, for example, one thing that is maybe something you don't usually do, which is, you know, um, integrating third-party libraries into an existing framework, making it work. Um, also, when it comes to things like performance and stuff, um, I mean, there are surely people who did that already. For me, it was it was a, at least for me personally, it was it was a nice challenge to to make that work, and it was not really hard to do. Um, because of how Angular
0: works, which is pretty cool,
4: um,
0: but then you have to do the, a lot of uh, running outside of Angular when you. use Oh no,
4: that? not at all. That's that's the whole thing. Like, you actually don't need to do that um, because Angular has this whole zone thing. That's actually the thing that enables you to to use things without doing a lot of extra work. Uh, so, so, so yeah, and I think um, other than that, uh, what was what was pretty challenging also for me was. Um, uh, and I think Christoph can, uh, in a few seconds, add a lot of things about observable APIs. But another thing that was for me personally pretty challenging was uh, we have this. So we have this editor view that you've just seen with, like, you know, the console and the editor, and then the site nav and and stuff like that, and then the toolbar. But then there's this other um, like view, which is the embedded editor. That's basically the view that you get when you want to embed a lab, um, which you can easily do. Um, but an embedded editor is also just an editor that executes code and that has like a console and the, the editor view where you can actually see the code. So it is pretty much the same thing as what we already have, just that when you have an embedded editor, there, there are some things that you might not want. right? Like, for example, you don't necessarily want to see the execution list on, on the right-hand side. You don't necessarily want to allow people to actually run things from an embedded editor, maybe you just want to you want them to like replay existing executions and stuff like that. So there, there's a lot of functionality um, that is common between these two use cases, like a full editor view and an embedded editor view. Um, and then there's also like the whole styling thing and making things a bit smaller and and but you know trying to reuse as many things as possible. That that was that was a, a fun thing to do because. Um, uh, that that is one of the the architectural changes that we did to where well, we actually took advantage of um, the ng module APIs, which which are which can be weird, right? You have like an ng module and you have another ng module and one shares the other and then you import here and there and then you have a shared module and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I have this module which actually needs to import something from there which is already imported here and it has its own providers and that you know the whole rabbit hole. Um, and so, I think we we made it work quite nicely in the end. But it was it was interesting to run into these things um, because sometimes you see them popping up here and there when people ask about it, but never actually experiencing it um, yourself. it makes a difference when you actually run into it yourself and, and you know try to come up with a solution. Um, okay, I think I talked enough now.
0: Chris yeah, and I bet you could figure out like like in that. Problem you're talking about in terms of the editor and the embedded editor, like did you discover fu- an architecture pattern that said, "Oh, okay, I'm going to take the pieces of the editor and have them as components, and then have like a parent component for the the inline editor and a parent component for the site, but and then it, those just different? it's mainly yeah. um, we have like basically the, the idea is we have one
4: like ng module which is an ng uh, an editor module." And that comes with all the building blocks to create an editor view. So it has things like an editor service to run code. There's all the logic, in you can, you know, there's all the logic inside. You can just use that to run the code so you don't have to re-implement it over and over again. Um, there's the, the the Ace Editor component is in there. There's the console output is in there. Um, the toolbar is in there, and, and, or, or at least parts of the toolbar so you can build different versions of it, which is what, what was needed. So it's basically like a like a box of building blocks, and you just take what you need and build your own editor view. And now we can build as many different ones as we want now that we have it set up that way.
0: Nice. All these things that you learn right, as you dive into it and start building apps, you're like, oh, OK, cool. i yeah. got to solve this problem. And then what comes out of it is like these new patterns. That you're like, oh, cool. Now I understand what i am got to tackle that, like you said. And your training later. Now you have this even more concrete answer to really deliver. Exactly. That. Yeah.
4: Is there any plans for like some type of visualization of of what's going on or
3: what happened yeah absolutely yeah it, it, it's also one of these things that we want to enable that that um, yeah you, you, you can get a better idea of like what's happening in the neural net, uh, what is the neural net like thinking about those cats <laughs> um, and um, there are a couple of visualizations um, that, that that people use when when they use these frameworks and and we want to enable them to to, to work with them right from within the browser yeah it's it's just there's so much thing right now on our plate Um but it, it's it's definitely coming yeah 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 so I, I just wanted to add to to what 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 Pascal said that yeah I think the the, 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 the main challenges in, in this project is really this this whole reactive nature of things so um, it's like I mean it's, it's it's all observables from from top to to bottom right because um, you are um, you are starting these streams on the server side and then you have this output and this output we, we support infinite output so you can just like if, if you have a training and it goes for 30 days then it goes for 30 days and you can infinitely and um, watch the output um, so so um, and obviously, you 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 can have like multiple executions running in parallel, and then you can go back and forth between those. And so this is all, yeah, very very much observable-driven. Um, so there, are, yeah, lots of challenges. Um, but but this is this is I would say is is like the probably the, the the toughest part of of the project. So in terms of Angular, as as Pascal said, there was Nothing where we actually had to to work around it. Um, I think we had a couple of struggles with the UI here and there, um, but yeah, we are. I, I mean, the the the, the we, we are using um, uh, Material UI, so this this takes a lot of the pain away already. Very
0: nice, very nice. Well we're getting to the top of the hour, so I guess we better. Wrap things up. Um, why don't to tell us really quick what? Uh, so you, it's private beta now. We can sign up. People can go there and go to the site and sign up for that.
3: Right. That so right? private beta right now means basically when we when you try to execute code, you you will hit a, a dialog that tells you, oh, you are now on the waiting list. Um, or you actually you you now have to log in and then you're on the waiting list and then you just have to wait. We are we are activating people in batches, so the the, the, the more trust we gain in the whole platform, the more people we onboard. So, right now we have about like 70, 75 people in the, in, in the private beta. Um, and um, yeah, we, you just have to wait a little and then you will be picked. But it's, it's a nice Angular Material dialogue. Right.
4: That's jumping right into your face. Yeah.
3: <laughs> awesome. awesome. So,
0: uh, what are, do you want to announce some of the other features that you're working on uh, as well that, that are in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. do you want to go ahead?
4: Otherwise, I mean, I think go I have ahead. one, and I think you have one too. I mean, okay, so the, the feature that I'm working on right now is mainly um, we, um, we we are working on a cool integration, which is we actually tried to um, uh, make like runnable apps available for the uh, Keras API um, or the, the, the documentation. So we're working on that with them. And uh, while we were doing that, um, we basically ran into this thing that... Um, our output is not working entirely correct. Like, uh, you've probably seen all the error, arrows, like, you know, um, being appended to the output when Chris have executed the lab. That's, for example, actually something that should update in place. Like, when you run this code on your local machine, like, the way a terminal works, you have a progress button updates in place. So that's something that, that doesn't work right now very well um, in, in our current production version. So that's something something we need to fix and 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 that's um, that one feature that, that I'm personally working on right now um, where we have a proper uh, like terminal emulation so that the output that you get is what you would actually get when you run this on your local machine and this will come soon actually
3: right yeah yeah then the the, the other big feature is yeah what I, what I just um, mentioned uh, about these um, uploads so you'll you'll be able to just store any file to slash uploads and uh, we just take it. Um, upload it, and and people will see it in the UI. Um, that is just yeah sitting there, and and will be available then via REST API for others to use. Um, we're also working on adding more providers. So right now, you can only log in with uh, GitHub, but you'll soon soon be able to to log in with with different providers like like Google. Um, yeah, these these are the 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 main features that we currently have in the pipe.
0: Nice, nice. And what's the site that people can go to to sign up?
3: Just machinelabs.ai. And as soon as people log in, they are on the waiting list. Nice, nice. All right.
0: Well, thanks a lot for uh, sharing the stuff with us, talking this topic, and and, uh, demoing
2: this stuff. It's pretty awesome. Let's get into pics real quick, and then we'll wrap up.
0: I won't so go got,
2: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Is the code for the UI um, open source? Are there people able to go in and play with that?
4: Unfortunately, not. We just actually moved everything into a mono repository, so that means everything is in there. Also, the server side stuff, and it's it's
2: it's private. No problem. I'm just curious. It's
3: it's actually something that we considered, and, and and this is this was why we had it in separate repositories in the first place because we considered that the UI may be open source at some point. But we we, we wanted to go with the mono repo repository. So for for now at least it, it won't be open source. But we, we we may reconsider that in the future. But for now it will stay closed.
0: All right Mike, since you're on the mic, Mike, you get to do pics first.
2: All right. I've got two picks. Uh, first one is there's a lot of uh, conversation recently about UX um, and doing different things from your with your UI. Uh, but in terms of UX, there's a good article about web audio and form validation by Ruth John. Uh, link will be in the show notes to uh, consider the idea of using audio as part of your form validation to kind of give a different aspect and different um, experience to your users so definitely an interesting read whether or not you do it or not is uh, up to you but just something interesting to consider also the my other pick is an article posted by patrick stapleton uh that is entitled patent-free react ecosystem migration plan with all everything that's going on and conversations about the licenses or licenses around the react framework um and then potentially as well with uh, preact and view uh, definitely an interesting read to consider and make sure that you consider the license of the frameworks that you're using to determine who's going to own your code and what you can do with the code that you're using.
0: All right. All right, Alyssa?
1: Um, so I have a project by Westeam, and I'm really bad with his last name. Is it Chegan? It's C-H-E-G-H-A-M. Anyways, Wasseam as a project. Um, you can go and check it out for yourself that he's starting at angular.run. Um, and he's calling it Klingon, and I apparently it's thanks to Mike for Klingon. I don't know like if you just inspired him with a Star Wars reference there, but anyway, so basically Klingon is this project.
0: Wrong universe. Wrong universe.
1: Oh, wrong universe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey. Star Trek. Hey. Long day. <laughs> <It's> all- <laughs> Okay, so So basically it's a UI on top of the Angular CLI, and it's supposed to be a project that are for people who are basically allergic to the command line. Um, And so (laughs) um, he is super, super busy with another project right now, and so if anybody wants to help him with that one, go ahead and reach out to him. But yeah, check it out at angular.run, and uh, that's for my pick today.
0: Nice, nice. All right, Austin. What do you got, Austin? Nothing this week. All right. Fair enough. You always have like 72 picks, so you you got plenty of credits. It's, it's hit or miss. <laughs> hit or miss I have something. Awesome. All right, Bonnie?
5: Okay. So I have two picks, and I'm actually a super nerd because I'm super excited. Uh, and I'm not saying this because Pascal and Kristoff were here because I was going to say this anyway. But uh, I just finished Angular Masterclass here in Houston, and it was so – you like I can't even tell you guys how excited I am. Um, about Redux and NgRx, and it was just there's like so much stuff that is crammed in my brain. Uh, they worked us really hard. Thomas and uh, Thomas Barlus and, and Dominic Elm were down here. Uh, they worked us so hard. So my pick would be the Angular Masterclass in Berlin, which is coming up in two weeks. Uh, so I'll give you a link for that. And then my other pick actually was is, is a person because uh, Dominic Elm came from Germany to do uh, the masterclass, and he like I I met him before, but I never paid attention. And he's the greatest. He's so interesting and uh, super, super wicked smart. Very charming. And his enthusiasm is endearing. Uh, and just so there's a link. I'm going to I'm gonna send you guys a link to uh, the article that he just wrote, the Redux Snake article. And it has this, don't, don't be like me and click on the game because you'll never finish reading the article. The article is actually really interesting, but the game is addictive. It's like this little, what is it, like an old Atari thing and the snake goes around and you got to, it's, anyway, read yeah, the article okay, first before. Snake. Yeah, you have to read the article first before you click on the game, otherwise, you, you like your break time, it, yeah, it's, it, it, it sucks you and you can't stop playing. But anyway, um, Dominic is a hoot, and he's also really, really smart, and he's a um, cool guy, and I wish that I had spent more time talking to him last time I met him. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, Angular Masterclass in Berlin coming up in a couple of weeks, and go follow Dominic Elm because he's a hoot. Those are my picks.
0: Nice. That it's interesting they bring up the snake game uh, because I think there was a machine learning something that was tweeted out a while back ago about beating snake, and somebody put that through some machine learning and actually had a video of uh, the snake game being actually won. So that should have been. I my would pick. love to Not see. My
5: <laughs> I would love to see that old. Uh, you guys remember the old um, uh, battleship game from the '80s? You sank my battleship. I would love to see that in machine learning.
0: That's a good idea. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. My yeah, pick, but
5: yeah, my, my pick
0: is uh, there's an import cost plugin for WebStorm. Uh, people know kind of my love for WebStorm, and it, there's a similar uh, extension for VS Code, but basically uh, shows you your import statement cost in line in the editor. Um, so that's my pick. Uh, Pascal, Christoph, you guys got anything for us at the end here?
3: Not much, actually, but I, 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 from from the top of my head, what I just got to know today is a new translator that is also using machine learning behind the scenes, but it's much, much better than Google Translate or anything I've seen so far, and it's called uh, deepl.com, I think, and you should definitely check it out. deepl.com nice.
4: Yeah, my, my pick is... Uh... Um, Since we were talking about machine learning and stuff like that here, and maybe some people want to dive into that, um, there was a talk about this, like an introductory talk about machine learning and how neural nets work and the basic idea, um, very nicely explained by Carmen uh, at Angular Connect. So it was actually an Angular talk um, without a lot of Angular, but at an Angular conference. So you might want to go to uh, YouTube and search for Angular Connect and Carmen or or machine learning, stuff like that. Um, it's a very, very nice talk with a lot of nice slides that explain things very nicely. That's my take.
3: Cool.
0: All right, well, Pascal, Christoph, thanks so much for coming on. really appreciate you you two sharing your time with us and uh, talking to us about the stuff. Thanks, for having, thanks us. for having us. All right, that's a wrap. We'll bye see you next week. See later. You. later.